Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5. Uh, Luke chapter 5. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 11 today. And really uh, sort of bridging a, a gap, I guess you'd say, between our forward by faith time and our uh, summer sermon series, which is going to be through a number of passages in, in Luke. So next week, uh, we pick up at Luke chapter 5, verse 12. We're going to do the first 11 verses today. So kind of getting a start on summer and wrapping up our uh, forward by faith time together today. As we have uh, walked through this uh, particular month, this special month in our church, uh, one of the things we have really sought to do is have it be a time grounded in God's Word. And in fact, one of the most encouraging uh, comments I, I heard uh, recently was our time uh, when I was going around and visiting with some of our different life groups, our Sunday night uh, small group fellowship times, and was sharing, answering questions about our, our special Four by Faith month, uh, was a comment that, that one person made that they really appreciated how it seemed like during this month we were going deeper into God's Word. That it was a time where we were growing in the Scriptures. We were drawing our insight, our strength from that, whether it's the little children and the time that they've spent in children's church uh, thinking about these matters, or our Sunday school time with kids and with adults, or our Sunday messages. And I'll tell you, that was just incredibly encouraging to me because that's exactly, I think, should be our hope for all the things that we undertake as a church family, to have it be rooted and grounded in God's Word. For our sermon series, you remember uh, back on April 26th, 7th, we started this month. And that was the time when we looked at Zechariah 4, 6, our theme verse for this whole time, which talks about the fact that it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And we talked about the, the impact of really trusting our lives into God's hand and seeing his power at work. And uh, the week after that, May 4th it was, we looked at the idea that God is an incredibly generous God. He provides for us not only the life that we have, the breath that we breathe, our very existence, but He provides for us salvation in Christ that transforms our lives now and on into eternity. He does all of that for us and that out of that, really, that, that's, that's part of His character is a character of what we would call generosity and so we considered the call that we have to be generous to the things of God's kingdom. Last week, May 11th, we looked at the idea of impacting generations, the generations we already see in our midst. A number of them just <laughs> filed out to the children's church time. Some of them are back in the nursery and they'll be back up here to sing a special song for us in just a, a little bit. But we, we talked about the opportunity to impact not only those little ones, but folks in years and decades to come that we don't even know, we haven't even had interaction with, that that's part of God's kingdom. And today we're going to come sort of full circle, I guess, and talk broadly about the idea of faith. We looked uh, again back April 27th at faith in the power of God. Today I want us to look at what faith means for our response, for the obedience that God calls us to, and you'll certainly see it here in the passage, as Peter is presented with an opportunity to follow what Jesus says and Jesus works in his life and in those around powerfully. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll read it aloud as you read along silently. 
On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when he had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners and to the other boat to come and help them when they had filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything to follow him. Let's pray again together. Father, our time individually, our time in small groups, our time during the sermon in your word is really, really important for our spiritual growth, for our strengthening in you, for us to move forward individually by faith. And and so we pause each week and have a prayer time right now just devoted to asking you to work through your word. And I pray that you would do that. Again, today is an encouragement to us and and your word is always an ongoing challenge to us. But ultimately, Lord, that we would meet you, see you and draw closer to you through the preached word. Do that now, we pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, even if you don't normally make a habit of turning to the back of our worship guide to follow along with our sermon time today, I would encourage you to to do that today. There's several uh, quotes back there that I want to highlight and sort of center our theme, our time around. Uh, If you've been around for a while, you know occasionally I like to refer to the writings of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, probably wouldn't go go down every road that he would want to uh, go in thought or belief, but a lot of the things he has to say are really right on target. And if you don't know anything about uh, Bonhoeffer, I'll just remind you, he was the German pastor, theologian that lived uh, in Germany during the 30s, 1930s. When uh, when Nazism was on the rise, Bonhoeffer actually had left the country, was in England, pastoring a German congregation there. He did not have to go back to Germany while others were fleeing and trying to get out of there in the late 1930s. But he chose to go back and to minister among his people. He was part of what they called at the time the confessing church. And that was their way of saying we're sticking to our Christian confession in the face of not just the larger population, 
compromising with uh, the Nazi beliefs. But in light of the church, many in the church and many pastors and church leaders compromising and caving. He stood with the confessing church. And as you can imagine, that was a time of testing the difference, if you will, between uh, true, authentic faith and its fruit and uh, pseudo faith. And so he wrote this, which is certainly challenging and pointed, but also really helpful for all of us to consider in talking about what he called cheap grace. He said this. Cheap grace is the grace that we bestow on ourselves. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And then he contrasted it with what he calls costly grace. Costly grace is the kingly rule of Christ, for whose sake a man will pluck out the eye which causes him to stumble. It's the call of Jesus Christ at which the disciple leaves his nets and follows him. And then he put it sort of more succinctly when he said simply, only he who believes is obedient and only he who is obedient believes. What's interesting, uh, Bonhoeffer warns us of kind of the downside of not taking God's call for life transformation uh, seriously and contrasting these different views of grace and how we can kind of water down that free gift that Jesus gives to us by not taking seriously the call to response. I, I tried to set it in maybe a little bit more positive light as we think about our passage today with this uh, main idea that you see, I think, in your worship guide notes section, that since Jesus does amazing things when we respond in faith, we should humbly follow him. We should humbly follow him. L look at Peter and see the ways that he struggles with following Jesus in probably a lot of similar ways that we do generally in our life. And certainly on a special day like today, as we consider these commitments to support uh, this Forward by Faith campaign. Look with me at the first few uh, verses here in, in chapter 5 and see kind of how Peter responds. You know, the first thing he says is, hey, we toiled all night. You know, sometimes we just feel tired. <laughs> We're worn out. Or maybe we got a little bit of the L gene, you know, a little lazy, too. And, and, and the kingdom requires something of us. And, and sometimes we just are reluctant to do it. Peter, we see, is that way. He's already been working. In his case, he's been working pretty hard. He's been exerting himself in his trade. He goes on and he says, we, we did all this, but we took nothing. They said, you want me to... Go back out there. We've already done that, and we've seen that it hasn't yielded a lot. Most of us probably aren't so much kept from following Jesus in the thing that he calls us to by being tired or maybe a little lazy. I mean, that may affect us, but more than that, we get demotivated. We've maybe tried in the past. We've been down that road. We feel like I I've trusted. I've taken a step of faith. 
frankly, I don't feel like Jesus met me in it. I don't feel like anything happened. Peter's saying, look, the, the evidence to me is that there's no fish out there. There's no reason to go do what you're saying, Jesus. It's not going to bear any fruit. In that sense, he's kind of a little jaded. Ultimately, we see that Peter struggles to believe Jesus. Notice I didn't say he struggles to believe in Jesus. Right? Just like us, many of us here make a profession of faith. We, we have acknowledged that Christ is needed in our life as our Savior. When we have our call to confession time in our church service and we bow silently for, for that prayer time, we recognize, man, I, I need a Savior. Every week I need a, a Savior. And it's good and refreshing to be reminded of that. So, so we've, we've said we believe in Jesus But sometimes it's hard to believe Jesus, if that makes sense, to really trust what he says. One uh, writer, Wilbur Reese, put it this way. I don't know anything about Wilbur, but I always have found this comment interesting. He said, I would like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. But just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love someone of another race or pick beets out in a field with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy... $3 worth of God, please. Sometimes we think that way, don't we? And that's where this passage is at once really refreshing and also pretty challenging, isn't it? Peter has mentioned to Jesus, Simon Peter has mentioned to Jesus the reasons why he should not do this. And it's interesting, in in the English Standard Version, verse 5, He says then, after he raises his objections, he says, but at your word, I will let down the nets. The uh, NIV version of the Bible, and I heard a a message from Bill Hybels at one point years ago where he was talking about this passage. And he was quoting from that NIV version. I always liked the way he put it. The NIV says these six words, because you say so. I will. Because you say so, I will. In your sermon notes there, just B-Y-S-S-I-W. I don't know if that'll catch on in the texting world, LOL, you know, all those kind of things. I can't track with what people are saying sometimes. I don't know what those things mean. But B-Y-S-S-I-W, because you say so, I will. Now, it's hard to tell. You know, is Peter a little bit sarcastic when he says this? You know, you're a carpenter, Jesus. I'm a fisherman. We've been out all night. We have not seen any fish, Jesus. You stick to your profession. Let us stick to ours. Okay, don't try to tell us how to run the show. It's, it's hard to tell if there's a little bit of that there. But ultimately, he ends up saying, B-Y-S-S-I-W, because you say so. I will. It's interesting. Uh, Oswald Chambers, I think this is in your worship guide, too. He's uh, famous for being the author of a very popular devotional called My Utmost. 
for his highest. He said this, uh, going along with this idea of what God can do in our life. If faith begins to move us to a place where it's not just an idea in our mind. It's not just something we receive, but that it's something we say, Jesus, because you say so, I'm going to live your lot, my life for you. He said this. He said, all God's revelations are sealed until they are opened to us by obedience. You never get them open by philosophy or thinking. Immediately, if you obey, a flash of light comes. Obey God in the thing he shows you. And instantly, the next thing is opened up. It's not study that does it, but obedience. The teeniest fragment of obedience in heaven opens up and the profoundest truths of God are yours straight away. Question for us today is, do we believe that? Do we think that is true and real for us? That there's something that happens, not just when we think about taking a step or when we talk about taking a step, but when we actually take the step that Jesus meets us in that in a way that we don't experience any other way. I think it's just the same thing that Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is talking about. A fairly well-known verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways and in, in everything that you're doing. Acknowledge God and he'll do what? He'll direct your paths. He'll guide you in the way that you should go. All right, one more quote for us to consider. Uh, C.S. Lewis, and this one is not on your sheet. C.S. Lewis, uh, famous, of course, again in recent times for uh, the Chronicles of Narnia movies and so forth that are out now in those books. He also wrote a ton on sort of an intellectual level about the Christian faith. But it's interesting to see his observations about how we wrestle again with really taking the step of faith and translating to obedience. He says this, describing the struggle maybe some of us experience, uh, me maybe first and foremost. He says, poor fool. He thought his mind was his own. It will never be his own until he makes it Christ's. Up till then, it's merely the result of heredity, environment, and the state of his digestion. I became my own, listen to this, I became my own only when I gave myself to another. He goes on to say, supposing a man's reason once decides that the weight of evidence is for faith. So you looked at the Bible, you understand your need for Jesus, and you realize, I believe this. You've made that decision at some point. I can tell that man what's going to happen to him in the next few weeks. There will come a moment when there's bad news, when he's in trouble, or when he's living among a lot of other people who do not believe it. And all at once, his emotions will rise up and carry out a sort of blitz on his belief. Or else there will come a moment when he wants a woman, wants to tell a lie, feels very pleased with himself pridefully, sees a chance of making a little money in a not perfectly fair way, 
Some moment, in fact, where it would be very convenient if Christianity were simply not true. And once again, his wishes and desires carry out a blitz. I'm not talking, he says, about moments when any real reasons against Christianity turn up. Those have to be faced. That's a different matter. Lastly, he says, faith in the sense I'm using the word here is the art of holding on to things your reason has accepted in spite of your changing moods. That's part of B-Y-S-S-I-W, isn't it? It's figuring out how to walk in this path when we don't feel like walking in the path or it doesn't look enjoyable or it doesn't look exciting. It doesn't look like a a pound of the eternal in a paper sack or a warm cup of milk. How do we move forward. Well, it's interesting when you think about um, our time this month, we've called it forward by faith. You know, it's just not as catchy to call it forward by obedience, is it? (laughs) That wouldn't go as well on those fancy bulletin covers and those banners outside. Uh, That'd be a tough one. We wouldn't be as excited walking in the front door. But the fact is the two things are always tied in Scripture, like Bonhoeffer said. Uh, Faith has always got to be working out some change in our life, not just because God wants us to do something. He wants to see if we can, you know, I say jump, you say how high. That's not the issue. The idea is that his way is perfect. His way is best for us. And when we get in that way, then we get to experience joy. We get to experience living for him. You know, forward by faith, forward by obedience. It's not just about and then we, and I know we've tried to talk about it that way. It's not just about the funds for this piece of property. Forward by faith, forward by obedience is, you know, seeking to glorify God in our workplace through how we use our gifts and how we lead our lives there and realizing God's a worker too and we reflect Him. Forward by faith, forward by obedience is young ones, kids in elementary school, loving those other kids that are around you or on your sports team or in the club that you're involved. Loving those ones that aren't really all that lovely, that maybe pick on you a little bit. Figuring out how to love them. That's forward by faith, forward by obedience. Forward by faith, forward by obedience is, is uh, like we've been talking already, recommitting your life to, to grow in God's word and to really saturate in this and to, to have our lives sep- separated and guided by it. Forward by faith, forward by obedience is recognizing the needs of those around us and trying to meet them. Forward by faith is like we talked about last week. Forward by obedience is pouring into our children and the children in our church family and our community through things like kids camp, wanting to see them reached and impacted for the Lord's purposes. And certainly it's also participating in the kingdom mission of our church by helping us to take this next step for God's purposes. Well, we've seen enough of the call for today, B-Y-S-S-I-W. Take a look in just a few moments that we have left at the incredible fruit, the results, as I think I put it in your worship guide. Take a look at verse 6. The first thing we see there is that Peter and those around him see overwhelming fruit. They, they, they see it right then. It says, And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. 
and they had to get some buddies to come over. All those buddies helped, and now everybody's boats were all full of fish. Is there some guarantee by Jesus that this is going to happen every night for Simon Peter and every place on the lake? Obviously, this is something that Jesus is doing for a particular time and place to show Simon Peter and others around who he is, who he is in his glory. And isn't that the next thing that we see with Simon Peter? When we take a step out and say, B-Y-S-S-I-W, look at what happens with Simon Peter, verse 8. When he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with them were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. We see some amazed humility. Well, what's the deal here? Why, why would a, a grown man fall down on his knees because a bunch of fish are gathered up inside of some net? What did, why does that cause him to do it? He's seeing Jesus. He's seeing Jesus for who he is in his power. And it causes Peter, I don't think here the issue is, you know, I'm a sinful man in terms of he remembers some particular thing he did the last week or that he thought. He's saying, I'm a sinful man in the sense that, Jesus, I really didn't realize how amazing you are and how wonderful it is to trust you and take a step with you. I wasn't confident in that before I let out these nets. And now I have seen you more clearly. My hope is that many of us in this church family We'll meet Jesus that way, even through this Forward by Faith month. We're going to see Jesus do some things where we'll, we'll fall down and we're acknowledged, not, not in sort of a degrading, self-degrading way, but we'll just say, you're amazing, and, and I am not. I'm lost and broken, and you've done awesome things that I've now seen, and I desire to see more of that. Peter is amazed and humbled in his amazement. Last thing we see. And here's the real kicker. Here's the real kicker for Simon and the real kicker for us, too. Look at verse 10. Talks about the other folks that saw this and then the last sentence of that verse. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. Jesus says, Peter it's awesome that you figured out how to take this step that I this thing I told you to do and do it and trust me. Fantastic and awesome that these fish have come in. Guess what? I hate to break the news to you. This is just training ground. This is just practice for greater things that I want to do through you in catching men. And as I thought about this passage, what a perfect place. We we have said from Three and a half, four months ago, when we started praying about, we had a congregational vote, our leaders voted, and so forth, for moving forward with this land purchase. We have said that we wanted all of this to flow out of who we are as a church. Our church vision is to glorify God. Jesus is glorified in this passage. He's shown to be the glorious one that he is. Glorify God by inviting all. That's what Jesus is talking about, going to catch men. That's the goal. That's the vision. And by his grace, this is only happening by Jesus's amazing power for his purposes. 
as many of us today are doing something in a financial way where we're saying B-Y-S-S-I-W, I am praying that God would meet each one of us and that it would be a great thing for each one of us and for God's purposes in our church. But ultimately, people of God, this is really a part and parcel of a larger thing that Jesus wants to do and grow in his kingdom in our hearts and allowing us to do even greater things for him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the call of discipleship. We thank you that faith moves us to obedience, and that's a good obedience because that's where you are. Lord Jesus, we want to get where you are and where you call us to be. So help us uh, to meet you in the steps that we take, the steps that we're taking today that are, Lord willing, part of a whole lifestyle of continuing to respond to you by saying, because you say so, I will. And experiencing your love, your mercy, your power in our lives as we do so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.